Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Questions people ask me as a church planner and lead pastor is, what is it like planting a church? We, you, you as an American most likely have some interaction of church in some way, whether you grew up in it and left it, whether you're in it now, maybe you watch some guys on TV. Like, how can you describe planning a church? It looks awesome. And I said, okay, let me explain this to you probably the best way I can uh, with an analogy I think most of us can understand. Imagine you get into a roller coaster and their strengths come down over you. And one of my favorite rides at Six Flags Great America is Raging Bull. Um, I love that ride. It's, oh man, I love that ride. So your strengths come down and you start climbing this huge hill. And as you're climbing this hill, you're looking down at around you and surveying everything that's around you. And you're like, okay, this is going to be a lot of fun, but we all have that question in our mind, will this thing stay on me? Am I going to keep these restraints on? That guy who just checked me and didn't look like he was paying attention, like, am I going to fall out of this thing? I am trusting technology. And I'm tr- then you start to reason, well, people don't die normally, so I'm not going to die in this ride. And well, maybe only one person died, but they fixed that problem, right? And so you're processing this as you go up to the top of this hill. Now, if you're a thrill seeker like I am, uh, I, I love rides like that. And then my favorite part of the ride is that point of anticipation. The point of anticipation is when you are at the top of the hill, and if you happen to be in the front car, it starts to go over the hill, and you're hanging there. And at any second, this is about to be a party. I love that time. And this is where church planning comes in. As you hang, the restraints come up. (laughs) And you now have nothing but prayer to say, Dear God, Please keep me in this car. Amen. So you go down the hill like, this is great, I'm going to die. This is great, I'm going to die. Over and over again. And you only have the trust and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ to keep you inside of this car. Welcome to church planning. (laughs) That's exactly what it felt like and does feel like now. On June 24th in 2018, six families met at my home and we started to explore this question, what does it look like to plant a church? And we, as a group, sat there, and we wanted to look at not planting another church. We don't need another church. There's churches everywhere, right? What does it look like to plant a church that does something different, a church that looks different? And in our community in Slinger, uh, there was a huge need for a church that looked different. I had lived here for many years with my family. Um, I'm part of this community. I've been in Washington County. Before this, I was in Racine. And so I looked at these two communities, I said, okay, God, where do you want us to go? Do we go back? We were in Racine for many years. Do we go back to Racine, or do we stay in our community that we know so well, and we see the huge need? Because to do something different is going to be hard. There's a quote by a pastor, Craig Rochelle, who says, to reach people nobody's reaching, you have to do things that nobody is doing. So if we want to just replicate and just kind of do the same old thing, well, we're going to be reaching the same people. But if God's calling us to do something different, what in the world does that mean? And so we had six families at my house having a barbecue saying, what does it look like? 
What does it look like for a church to look different? What does it look like for a church to go after people who are unchurched, de-churched, love church, hate church, people who used to go but don't, people who have gone and love it, people who want to grow in their faith, people who want to start a faith walk? What does it look like for a church to be a church that is unapologetically not going to waver away from the word of God? Because that's happening everywhere. What does it look like for a church that loves everybody and but balances grace with truth and truth with grace? And we put this all together in a big blender and say, this looks like Mosaic Church. And on that day, the name was really formed. Broken, unique pieces brought together and made beautiful because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we are Mosaic. As Mosaics, we, none of, nobody in this room, and myself included, and all of this team, we are broken people and we're never going to tell you that we've got it all together because we don't. And if a pastor tells you or he has it all together or someone in ministry says, I've got, I got all the answers, they don't. I've been doing this for 20 years. The more I learn about Jesus, the more there is to learn. The closer I get to him, the further I see I am away. And I'm continually processing and learning and growing. And that big, huge theological word is the word sanctification. We're on a process of becoming more like him. But it's a journey and you got to start the journey. And so we're processing this all together to say, man, that would be an awesome place to be. So there begins our journey. We met in my home. We started meeting in a middle school, Slinger Middle School. Um, uh, something small happened in the world. It was called COVID. That happened. Um, shut us down. I'm like, we're done. Hey, it was a good run. We lasted five months. <laughs> five months into our start, COVID hit. I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is it. We'll go online. I don't know if we're going to make it out of this, but here's the roller coaster. The restraints are off. I said, Jesus, I just trust you. If we're supposed to do it for five months, I trust you. If we're supposed to go for 50 years, I trust you. I, I don't know what the future holds, and I don't know which turn is happening next, but I trust you. And if this is a new concept to you, this is the word we use called faith. Do I really trust that whatever God does, no matter I like it or if I don't like it, is better than what I want? I trust him. It's not about my pleasure. It's not about my enjoyment. It's not about if I feel fulfilled. It's about obedience to a calling. And that we see in Scripture when you read, when Jesus calls us slaves, we're slaves to the gospel. Paul calls it, excuse me, slave to the gospel. And Jesus says, follow me and give up everything to follow me. And so when you start a church, you have no option but to do that. And in our story, it got a little more rocky because our restraints popped up right away because like COVID, right? And here we are. We bounced around. We moved uh, out into an old jerky store across from Cabela's. We got this building. We started meeting in a parking lot because right out there, it was summer, and it took us nine months to renovate this place. I was losing my mind. I'm like, okay, I'm jumping off the roller coaster now. Don't worry about staying in. I'm out. And so it took time and time. And then last year, August, we had our very first time in this building, our very first service. But before all that, I want to go back for you for a story you don't know. When I started church planning, I asked a question. I went around to a lot of pastors, uh, people I didn't know, people I didn't know. I got connections to people who are far along, ready to retire, to church planners who are just beginning, to churches that have been well-established for many, many years. And I asked a very simple question. Why do you exist? I asked pastors and elders the question, why do you exist? And as you could imagine, they started quoting their vision statement, their mission statement. They started quoting. I said, no, 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 no. Not what you do. Why do you exist? And not one person could answer that question. 
there was fumbling and there was stumbling and they would go into, well, Matthew 28 is a time when Jesus commissions his disciples to go make more disciples. So we are here to make disciples. That's the correct answer, by the way. And so when they got to that point, I said, that's wonderful. I love it. Um, How do you do that? How do you do that? More stumbling. Well, we have Bible studies. We, we have you know, Christmas women's tea. Uh, we do outreach in the community. We have vacation Bible school. We have Awana. And I said, no, I'm not asking what programs. Like, you're listing a lot of programs. How do you make disciples? Well, we have Sunday mornings. And we have Awana. Pro- and, and they're listing things, which I've all, I've all been a part of my whole life. These are all wonderful, wonderful things. I said, okay, then can you answer me this last question? Is it working? So I asked, why do you exist? I asked the question, how, how, what are you doing, right? How, and then is it working? The answer always comes back to no. And I said, if the answer is no, isn't insanity doing the same thing over and over again, trying to get a different result? So if you're telling me that Sunday morning gatherings are not creating disciples, now, to be fair, discipleship is a very complicated word. It's very, has a lot of connotations that can go in different directions, right? Sunday morning gatherings, programs are a part of discipleship. I asked the question, are you making and building people who know their faith and are replicating and discipling other people? Because that's, Jesus said, to go and make disciples. Like, are you making disciples? Are you making church attenders? Because in my ecosphere, as I came out of ministry for many years, I have zero interest in creating church attenders. I've seen it. I've done it. I can get, I can blow this place up. All I got is, hey, Slinger, I'm giving away free TVs. And all of a sudden, we got 2,000 people at Mosaic, right? We're giving away a free car. You know, I'm putting my name in if we're doing that, right? There's ways and things we can do to manipulate. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that church growth is bad. I've been in mega churches. That's not what I'm saying. Hear what I'm saying. Are we actually doing what Jesus asked us to do? And what does that look like in the context of our family? Now, if this is like super like heady and philosophical for you, understand this is what your team is always talking about and thinking about. We're dreaming about it. I sit down and I analyze everything because I want to stay true north. If we are going to make disciples that make disciples, we have to evaluate everything. And after this last year, we sat down because we've gone through a lot. We've gone through COVID. We've gone through building campaigns. And I found out something, we have gone off course. We are really easy to get sucked back into programs. Because now I ask my question, Jason, why does Mosaic exist? And I would say to myself, we exist for two reasons, to make disciples and reach lost people for the kingdom of God. How do you do that? That's where we got in trouble. So we sat down as a team and started to think through our how is not equaling. We have the vision, but now the how And then we move to, is it working? So our how of where we've been has not been working the way we see it. I'm so excited to talk about today what we are going to be doing for the future. Um, Pastor Nick has spent a year formulating what discipleship looks like at Mosaic. We've processed, we've gotten frustrated, we've gone left, we've gone right, we've gone up, gone down. And the key is this, programs don't matter. The goal matters. Programs are a key to get us to the goal. If we are making disciples that make disciples, we've reached our goal. If we are are getting people to come to Sunday gatherings, walk out, and not replicate their faith, that's not what Jesus said to do. So we're continually 
processing this over and over again. And so I thought the best thing I can do this morning is share with you our core values, who we are as core values. Our core values are who is Mosaic Church as a family? What, is, what makes us us? What's our flavor, right? What do we taste like? So many churches across the area that we are such good friends with. We love them. We celebrate with them. We hang out with them. They have their own church family. And they do things different in their family, like you do things different in your family. But the brothers that I hang out with all have the same goal. They make disciples that replicate. And so we're talking about it all the time. And there's different avenues. But our core values kind of sits into our culture and who we are. So I want to go through with those with you today. Because I think this is key to understand what 2022-23 looks like. First of all, my favorite, my top one, is the gospel changes everything. The gospel changes everything. We unapologetically will sit and speak and love and teach and share that the Jesus Christ of the gospel is the only way, truth, and life. There are not many ways to heaven. It's just the gospel. And it's Jesus dying, his death on the cross, his resurrection, his kingship, his return. It is Christ and Christ alone. But we don't only look at the future. When you truthfully embrace Jesus Christ as your savior, it changes you now. That is our biggest American issue right now, is that we love the gospel to save our future, but I want to have what I want now. And I saw a post on Facebook that made, I mean, just such complete sense. It says, this generation that is growing up is filled with pleasure, with adoration, and with acceptance. The gospel, which says you are broken, you need a savior, and that there's only one way, is completely counter to the culture. If that is true, it is our job as a church family to stick to the word of God and not float with culture. And we will say unapologetically, the gospel can change your absolute life. From lost to found, from broken to healed, the gospel is what you'll hear all the time over and over again. Secondly, love wins. God defined love in the greatest moment of giving his life for Christ. This is not loving, putting political posts on Facebook. We had a big thing happen in our country with Roe versus Wade, and I've seen people on both sides spitting fire, fire being spit in both ways. And I, want to, I just want to give you a different perspective of this, different perspective. I, whatever side you're on, that's not the conversation for today. I want to focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. If Jesus was here, he would look at people differently than we do. He would look at people who have been fighting for the ability in their belief system to hold that life begins at conception. He would walk with the woman who just felt like she's lost everything. Because there's two camps of brokenness here. And Jesus is the perfect blending of loving and walking with people. And so why didn't we put a post on Facebook of anything? Because there's no way in three sentences we can explain the beauty of Jesus Christ other than love wins. Love is the greatest catalyst of all. Because I've walked in ministry with every camp possible, but when you have great loss or you feel that you have great uh, growth and success, if you feel that there's a move forward or you feel there's a move backwards, we're humans searching for the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. Politics are never meant to save, up, save us. The kingdom of God is the only thing that saves us. And love wins. Love is what brought Jesus down. Love put Jesus on a cross. And I want to talk about that love. Not world love, 
Not what I think is love. I don't want to talk about all the culture's version of love. I want God's version of love to be flowing through our family nonstop. And so no matter where we are, and I don't know where you, you, I'm not pointing to you. I didn't see your Facebook post. Let me name names. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this. It saddens me to watch people hurt and kill other people. It's not the way of God with words that are venomous, viperous, and breaking down our culture. What, what would it look like if the church of Jesus Christ, and I am seeing this too, here's the pro, stand together and love the way Jesus was loved. Because Jesus hung out, if you read the Bible, with really messy, jacked up people, which means he'd hang out with you. <laughs> and I love him for that. And I was processing this. One of the things I love most, most about my Savior is that he hung out with people like me when he came. I, never, I don't know if you ever thought about that. Sometimes we put it as like, oh, those are the bad guys. No, we're the bad guys. He hung out with me. He would see me in my mess. He'd see me as a young man cursing and swearing and fighting and being a total knucklehead, and he would say, Jason, walk with me. He would see me as I spout my views and tell what's right and what's wrong. He would sit there and sit with me, and he would love me, and I would say, why would you love me? He says, because my father loves, and this is what wins Jason love. And for a church family, I love that we rest there. That moves to our next one, authentic relationships. It's okay not to be okay. I look at us as a church family, and I sat down. We're like, what do we want to stand on? we got to be a place for people who it's okay. You don't have to fake it here. I walked in church as a child. I walked in church as a teen. I walked in church as a pastor. I walked in church as now my middle age, and I see the same thing you see, fake. Plastic faces, we got to put on the front. I see people who are afraid to be honest, say that I'm hurting, say that I'm broken, say that I'm fighting with my wife, say that my kid has walked away from the Lord, afraid to say, I don't know if I believe in this anymore. They're afraid because they are afraid that they've got to keep a persona to stay in the Jesus club. I'm over Jesus club. Can you get, can you get this from me today? I'm, I'm a little fired up, right? I'm over that. I want to be part of the movement of God that's changing lives. And that comes from being real. And I am so proud to say this, church fam, for those who've engaged us, you saw how we've responded to you. No shock, no, ooh, don't get out of my office. It's been, welcome, friend. Let me walk with you through this. And I know there's a lot sitting here who has church pain or Christian pain that Christians have said, hey, I love Jesus, but you're going to hell and get it and you're terrible and they're yelling and blah, blah, blah. And it just echoes in your head, this negativity. Instead of saying, friend, let me walk with you through this. It's okay to not be okay. Because what I've learned now in my mid-40s is this. I've had epic highs and I've had epic lows. In the epic highs, it seems everybody's around, and epic lows, everyone's gone. Can you guys relate to this? Let me go one more further. I'm going to push a little harder on us right now because it's fam time. In the epic highs, the church is around, epic lows, the church disappears. I would be a pastor on Sunday, smiles, and a pastor on Monday, phone calls. Jason, my marriage is falling apart. I just saw you. You guys were there. No, we're done. And I'm like, why wouldn't you talk to me? I mean, you can talk on Monday, we got a week, it's cool, but it's okay to be broken. But my friends, we're a place that's okay to not be okay. And now we're going to keep pushing into something that's uncomfortable for us. It's multiply, don't maintain. We have a purpose in God's kingdom to multiply. He made us as humans to multiply. He has made us as disciple makers to multiply. Everything in his creation is meant to be multiplied. It's how God created if you don't know the answer why he did it, you can ask him later. I don't know, but that's how he did it. And when Jesus then says, I want you disciples to go and multiply, 
You just don't sit and chill. That is the worst Christian position in America we can say is like, I'm cool. I'm in. I gave this much money. I did this much service time. I got my checkbook. I'm just maintaining. And the truth of every relationship is this. Either you're growing or you're dying. There, it never is a maintenance. There is no speed control in your spiritual life. Either you're growing closer to God or you're pulling further away. And you know exactly what I mean by that. You know. Church attendance has been declining across America. And now, church attendance doesn't save you or it's not the answer for your multiplication. But you know when you're in the body of faith and you're being fed and encouraged, you look at life a little bit differently than when you haven't gone for six months. Not that any of you would do that, of course. And online, I'm not talking to you directly because maybe, I don't know, you've got a barbecue and you just want to hang out. But that's cool, right? So the truth is, is that we have to multiply over and over and over again. As a church family, we're going to multiply multiple ways. One, we are going to plant more churches. I want to get that into your head now. We're going to plant more churches. What does that mean? I don't know yet. We are going to plant more churches. It could be in our area. It could be all around. It could be me. It could be someone from our church. I don't know because I'm open-handed before the master and say, we are here to plant churches. I do not have a plan. I just say, God, I'm open-handed because I never wanted to do this one anyways. (laughs) So therefore, I trust the master and I say, okay, Lord, if you want us to go, we will maintain. We are going to be a church-planting church. We are going to be a missionary-sending church. My dream is five missionaries in 10 years comes from this congregation to impact the world that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's my dream. My dream is in five years, in 10 years, we'll be planting five churches in 10 years to places that need a church that is void. Not Again, not to plant another church, but to be a life that's going to be outward focused instead of inward focused. We have to multiply. If we don't, we die. Saddest thing for me is when I talk to churches that are dying. And the first thing you can always notice of churches that are dying is that there are no children there. There are no youth. There's no babies. So when babies cry in, a, in, our, in our time here, you'll never hear me say, stop your baby, please leave, right? I'm like, yay, we're alive. <laughs> cry away, baby. This is great. Yeah. I'll try to stay focused. You know? uh, it's so exciting when you see youth and you see next generation. And when you look at the churches that are dying, I've talked because I was on a development team to help them. They would say, what do we have to do? Should we do more outreaches? Should we have like picnics? Should we give away a car? And they go right away to programming. I'm like, no, be disciple makers. Go out and disciple someone. And they would say, we don't know how to do that. And I'm like, then you're dead in the water. Because you have to multiply. To, that's what brings life. And so why we say multiply, may, don't maintain, is not only the church leadership, it's you. That we are going to be holding to this core all the way to the end. And finally, radical generosity. Everything we have for everybody else. We are radically generous. I, and we're going to get into budgeting a little bit later and finances. Uh, I'm going to simply say this. I want to have so many resources that people say, stop blessing us. I don't want it for us. I want to help the poor. I want to help those who are hurting. I want to help the broken. I want to go into a world and say, you know what? We are not going to be limited anymore by resources and things. We are going to give everything away. We're not going to build bigger buildings. I'm not going to drive a cooler car, though if you have an F-150, I still like one. I'm not going to do any of those things. I don't want material possessions. I want to see the kingdom of God advance. That is my heart and my passion and why we planted 
we be radically generous to those who are broken, those who are in the world who have needs, that they turn their heads, as the word says this, and they question our good deeds. Why do you love me? Say, because Jesus Christ does. I'm proud of our family so far that we have been radically generous. You have been radically generous, but we have been completely limited in our ability to help. And I think there's an answer for that, which we'll talk about later. Radically generous. Everything we have is for everybody else. I love that about our church family. I love that we're in this movement. And I love, as a church family, we can sit and celebrate the great things God has done. But this today, I'm excited to even talk where we're going now into the future. 2022-23 is going to be unbelievably awesome. So get into your car. Put on your restraints. You might as well just take the buckle off right away because <laughs> it's going to be an up and down ride. It'll be the greatest ride of your life. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world. Visit us at mosaicwi.com.